I suppose I'll put this part at the end since I don't really want to represent the loss of my cat as the defining moment of this recording, but there's no response from her anywhere in the house. I just opened a can of cat food in the basement and left it to sit in the center where she can come get it, so if I don't see any food taken from there, I'm going to have to assume she died in the corner of the cellar and I'll have to go get her in the morning. Nature's way of dealing with cats when they die. Every cat I've ever had die on my premises has always crawled to the farthest space they could. So I assume that's what she's done. I don't want to be right here. I would like to see my cat down healing for the better, only to enjoy six more years of rambunctious life. But I think the last week specifically has shown me that her time was limited. So when your time is limited, and you can't be found, and you're not responding to the of the cat can opening, well, I have to fear the worst. And, uh, to Frankie's credit, cranky little cat that she was, in the end, we became friends. Legitimately good friends. So, you put 10 years in with anybody, and sooner or later, I think you just come to like them. Well, tis the season, right? The holiday season? The season when your cat crawls into the cellar and decides to call it a life? I think I'm there. She's been missing a couple of hours. I've cracked a can of cat food down in the basement and had no response. So, I believe my cat has done what... I expected of her for the last four years, and that is finally pass on. It's sad to lose your cat and your dog in just a three-month window. Well, three and a half. No, three and 11 days, whatever that is. Three and a third. Uh, I'm all alone in the house. All alone in the house. And I gotta say, fucking A... You can go back and listen, because it's definitely mentioned more than once that I knew the next phase of my life also included being petless. Yeah, that's on the life plan. I had forgotten about it until Frankie passed just now. But when you add it all up, I mean, what the fuck, right? How can I have seen my life plan? How can all that shit be coming true? And what's the diamond light that's next? It's just... It's so metaphysically seductive to think that you've got some insight into how it's all going to unfold. But that's just not true. It is disturbing to the nth degree to think that there's some sort of pattern here, some sort of roadmap of consequence that is inevitable, that you're on, and you don't know what your part is in the inevitable fulfillment of it all. The trials and tribulations of this year, the year that came after the year love was left on the cutting room floor and that Trump's sanity stopped being a judge of how we're going to decide whether or not this is a year of craziness. Well... 
I, uh, I can say I've never had a more substantial year of reckoning. Maybe that's what has to happen when the diamond light is on the horizon and everything has to come to bear that you have set askew throughout a reckless and disregarded 40 years of life. Sure feels that way. But then, who am I? I'm not some guy whose ultimate stance here on planet Earth has cross-species resonance. I'm just a dude trying not to fucking succumb to all the trials that feel so overwhelming. Nothing's getting easier. Everything's getting harder. And now I'm all alone. I literally have nobody other than my nuclear family. And I am so grateful for their existence. To have two parents still alive over 80, my sister essentially healthy over 50, and her husband essentially healthy over 50, and me in a similar position is just good fortune. But that's it. That's where the line's drawn. Everything else in my life this year has been to the down. And not all of it, in fact, most of it, not my own doing. But there again is why I think it's karmic re-leveling. That which had to happen to make sure that my one-year tender here comes with all the up and down that even karma demands. I'm sure I've learned a lot in this year. I know I have. I know I've learned more than I can even voice. And I know that in learning all that, I am taking away an eternity's wisdom from this experience on Earth. But at some point, man, I could use a win. Or at least a tie. I guess that this is a tie with the cat. Ultimately, she and I ended up directly tied. And I recognize that. So... I guess this recording, number 411, the one in which I thought I would give you the down low on just what the fuck I'm up to, well, I guess nature had a different idea, so in tribute of Cranky Frankie the Cat, I'll miss you, little felinus. I will miss you. Pause. Hello, universe. Uh... Still haven't found my cat. Gotta assume the worst. And, um, I mean, the worst in this case is at least relief for her. There's no question that she was weakening day to day. So what I can only pray was a rather swift and easy end for her, given how quickly she's disappeared. I mean, 15 minutes before I couldn't find her, we were, I had her in my lap, she was purring away, and I thought, well, if that little thing heals, who knows what you got left in life. It's funny, I had a list here of things to talk about, because I felt like I should go back through the last, I don't know, 10 recordings or so, and try to firm up a little bit of how I feel try to explain some of the things maybe I missed out on, try to remember the name Eastmoreland, for instance, 
rather than calling it Eastlake. But I don't even know how much this matters now. I'm all alone in the universe. No cat, no dog. And that makes me sad. Sadder than I thought it would. So how much do I want to talk about the type of energy influencer that my current arch nemesis is? Well, I will say that I've only run into a few people whose influence on those around them is to make them want to be their best. And she was one of those people. Hell, I mean, in all measures, I would say I fell for the energy, uplift myself. But the, the only thing I thought I was supposed to do for my arch nemesis was show her that she didn't love herself enough. Show her that there was a whole lot more to her of value than she gave herself credit for. And while that may seem like an arrogant position to take on someone else's behalf, it was nonetheless the feeling I was overwhelmed with at all times in her presence. You're better than you know you are. You have gifts beyond what you can even think are available. You are the defining moment of the 21st century in terms of what's needed. Those kinds of people don't don't always know who they are, which can make them even more powerful, but in many cases, and in this one specifically, can make them shrouded, can leave them muffled in their expression of possibility. And that self-love had been driven out of her somewhere by what I don't even know, by whom I can't even say. Was it her mother? Honestly, that would certainly make sense. But whatever it was, it had to be harsh. Because the kernel of goodness, the, the internal mechanisms that were all so geared on benevolence. Well... Only 8675309Earth can pound that shit out of you, right? Well, so I thought my whole role here was to use my emergence in my own fit of self-love to show her that she was missing exactly the same sense of resonance for her own self. But that never got done, so I do feel like I failed her in that measure. Feel like I failed the world in that measure, just like I feel like I failed my cat by not being able to find her and give her whatever peace and relief I can give her as she passes on. I do feel like the house is now lonely without any other living attachment, but I can't necessarily say that I've seen her spirit move through, so I don't know if she's dead yet. But on her way, she certainly is. Ah. Why is this year so goddamn fucking hard? What'd I do? Well, I mean, yeah, I know what I did. But this, this is what the return consequence ultimately manifests as. Okay. All right. I get it. Oh, there's my strawberry cough. 
tell you what, if you can't find your favorite weed at a time when your cat has just died, well, what's the point of having a favorite weed? There's one thought I'd like to give back to the universe, because it never should have been given in the first place. All right, let's go down the list. What the fuck? Let's get something done here. I'd take a bullet for this person. Really? Yeah, that's so fucking weird. How many people in life would you take a bullet for? Take your nuclear family out of it. Take blood relatives out of it. How many people in the world would you take a bullet for? Up until 18 months ago, I could confidently say, and even throw a nuclear family in there, and I could confidently say, less than five. But, never did I think there would be somebody in the random assemblage of co-pilots having a human meat suit experience that I would meet and immediately think, your life's more important than mine. And again, having never had this experience in my entire life, it occurring now seems completely misplaced. I'm aware there's more than a great likelihood that I'm the lunatic, and this is nothing but the lunatic fringe. I'm just explaining what I'm going through for the sake of science, <laughs> the sake of posterity, sake of our humanity. But I would take a bullet for this person. That's not a joke. She arrived with that label of importance slathered all over her. Life's more important than mine. Now where does that fucking come from? Huh? Where on planet 8675309 Earth do I get that intuition? Immediately. All this cosmic clutter, all this conundrum of consequence and the zeitgeist of my own sanity. This isn't amusing for me. This isn't even interesting to me. It's burdensome. It's painful. It's a reckoning. It's coming to terms with things beyond just my own humanity. It's coming to terms with things on a scale that are beyond capacity for belief or conscious motivation. I do my best to just get through the day being kind, forgiving, and understanding. That's enough to work on. You pile on what all these trials feel like now. Well, why is one of the things I'm so confident in that I would give my life for this one other person's without question? I don't know. I don't know. I never had kids, so I can't say that I know what it's like to have that sensation emerge that you know there's a life on the planet now more important than yours. But that's what it feels like. So, being someone of very little life experience, like children... I'm sure I sound like a naive, unexperienced, inexperienced even, Tyro. <laughs> Definitely the word of this season is Tyro, but I'm not. 
I'm not somebody who haphazardly gives away my life force. Fuck no. I protect it. I covet it. I treasure it. But it would 100% be the right move to extinguish my life force so long as that life force got to maintain. Of that, I know. So, there you go. That's all I'm going to say about this shit, I think. I don't think I have anything else here on the list. I'll leave it at that. The bar at the end of the universe was, in fact, called the pub at the end of the universe. Which, in Portland, meant something, because to be a pub, that meant you could serve beer and wine, but not liquor. And that's what that beer and wine bar was. Pub at the end of the universe. In East Moreland, where I believe the golf course still exists. It was a nice little 18-hole public track, I'll give you that. Especially some of those left-hand hook shots that you got to hit on that course. Risk-reward, baby. You could shoot 65 at East Moreland on the right day. You definitely could. You could also shoot 85 at East Moreland on the wrong day. To me, that's almost the definition of a great golf course. Okay. Kitty! Kitty, kitty! No response. Um, so, sorry for those mistakes. Portland, Oregon, you deserve better. Uh, and to the entire public community, episode 404, while, of course, that is so appropriate to be my error episode, worst episode, slash episode that I went in and actually wrote in the description, you should, A, or 1, skip this episode entirely, 2, skip the first 29 minutes and 35 seconds of this episode, or 3, skip the first 19 minutes of this episode. Otherwise, you're going to suffer. And you have been warned. But the fact is, the last 13 minutes of that episode are, are, are worth it. So should I just cut 29 minutes, 35 seconds off that episode? Is that wrong? Should I make the listener experience better? But then truncate my own mediocrity in the process? Make myself look better? See, that's, that's a dilemma. Not an easily solved one either. You don't just get to say... Well, yeah, man, always make yourself look better when it's possible. No, sometimes you have to expose that you're not always at your best, even when the possibility arrives to just hmm, gloss over a time of recording mediocrity. Do you owe your audience that glossing over, or do you let them decide what's mediocre for themselves? Seriously, that's not an easy question. Hey, first time I looked for my lighter, I found it right where I thought it might be. And look, there's another one. It's like lighter heaven in here. <sighs> well, lighter heaven. Oh, I can't believe my cat died. <laughs> Pause. Okay, the next point on my list is the assumptions we make when we learn things about people. For instance, I'm a vegetarian, which... As it turns out, is because I don't like dreams where I chase down animals and eat them raw. And being a vegetarian keeps those dreams from happening. That's a very, very strange reason to be a vegetarian. Or at least it's a unique reason. I don't know if it's strange. It doesn't feel strange to me because the dreams feel a lot worse. All of that said, I should have been a vegetarian my whole life. I really somewhat identify with the politics of not eating meat unnecessarily. 
And I don't buy into the idea that eating meat has given us more brain capacity or whatever. Protein has created a more intellectually superior animal that by consuming others' protein, we actually gain some level of evolutionary uh, stronghold. I think there are at least some scientific papers that will claim that without having eaten other creatures, humanity doesn't make the leap of, uh, of evolution that we do to become the dominant species on this planet. Uh, I don't think any of that's true. At least when I read it, none of it resonates with the truth meter, so I have to assume that's all wrong. And therefore, I feel like the eating of other animals is probably a big cosmic no-no. And in fact, might be the kind of thing that in any other circumstance is abhorrent. Except here on Survival of the Fittest, 8675309 Earth. I don't pretend that I didn't enjoy a good cheeseburger. I did. I don't pretend that I couldn't find some chicken tenders from Chick-fil-A before they changed their name to Chick-fil-A. Um, I, I could, well, it was Chick-fil-A that I liked. Now it's Chick-fil-A. Anyway, Mandela changes aside. The eating of meat was always just kind of unnecessary to me. I didn't love a steak. In fact, I don't love a steak. I would never order a steak at a steakhouse. I would always order fish. So I know that I've always tended toward being a non-meat eater. But the reason for not wanting to go that direction fully was because I didn't want to be assumed to be all the political shenanigans that come with being a vegetarian. Especially back in the 90s or when I was first pondering these decisions. It just, it wasn't important enough for me to fend off all the liberalism tie-ons that vegetarianism brought, considering how little meat I ate in the first place. But then I kept having these dreams where I'd be out on the savanna and it would be, I'd know, I would be like, fuck man, I'm hunting. I would have that realization at the beginning of the dream. And all of a sudden I'd be racing through the grass and some emu is skipping over the fucking bridge and I go, <laughs> tackle it and start gnawing at its neck, blood and guts everywhere and just, oh. So I thought, well, these, these dreams... And these have only been going on for like four to seven years. They finally got me to think, why am I eating meat? Like, what do I eat meat for? Do I have a pleasure level that needs to be appreciated by eating meat? No. So why do I eat meat? I don't have a reason. And then I quit. And I haven't had one of those dreams since. So that's why I'm a vegetarian. But all of the stuff that comes with believing that life has value enough that we don't need to eat meat in a situation where anything other than that is available to keep us alive? Well, no, I do think that it's gratuitous that we eat meat. So, have my politics finally caught up with my real identity? Perhaps. Perhaps they were there to be caught up all along. But that's my reason for not eating meat. And when you get to know somebody who says something like, yeah, I voted for Trump. Well, you're going to immediately put them in certain prejudgeable buckets. Either, I'm not even going to get into what you think of somebody 
when they vote for a certain candidate. But it does come with a bit of judgmental opinion, depending on your alignment with said candidate or opposition to said candidate. We all do it. So, what I've been really working on is realizing how many ways, if you only knew these one or two things about me, you'd assume a whole bunch of stuff about me that's wrong. Because for so many people, we only know one or two things about them. So the rest of it is nothing but assumptions. And when it comes to me, if the only things you knew about me are that I uh, haven't voted in a presidential election since 1988, and I'm a vegetarian, well, you'd make a whole lot of wrong assumptions about me. And a couple of right ones. But most of them would be wrong. So, with that much humility, it's always easy to think, wait a second here, bro. Slow the fuck down. You don't know as much as you think you know. And in fact, you could be making assumptions across the board here that are leading you to entirely incorrect conclusions for everything you think you have gotten a handle on. Yeah. Makes life fun, right? How can I know anything if I can't know anything? Well... At least you're finally asking the right questions. Pause. Unpause. Whoa. All right. <coughs> Uh-oh. Poor kitty. <coughs> oh, boy. Okay. <coughs> okay, pause. It's fascinating to me that animals know when they're going to die. Like, that's one of the reasons that her four-week experience in the cellar of living was such a shock. It sure seemed like the move an animal's making when they know they're going to die. Maybe she knows she's dying. Maybe this is the end. But I can always hope she's wrong, that she's down there just getting enough sleep to get enough energy to come up here and eat. But let's face it, that's the one in a million chance, right? Maybe one in a zillion. I know my cat. She's, she's not coming back this time. I hate to say it, but bye, Frankie. You'll be missed. All right. Let's see if I can get through the rest of this without reflecting upon my cat's death. Uh, <coughs> so, plugging in at Thanksgiving is a disrespectful activity. Using earbuds and the noise cancellation effect to remove myself from my nuclear family is the definition of disrespectful. Well, I guess I see your point. However, more disrespectful is throwing a snot-filled rag at your father and hitting him in the face, walking out of dinner in the middle of a bite, telling them that you never want to see any of them again, and uh, having to uh, remove yourself from uh, dinner table at holiday time to walk yourself home because there was so much vitriol flowing back and forth that you just were likely to explode and thought leaving was better than exploding. Because that's three of my last five, counting this last one, thanks, or well, holiday get-togethers. That's how they've ended. So, yeah, I'm problematic. I told you, it's all my fault. I, uh, I create 
scenarios in which my tolerance for what's happening is zero. And then I have to abandon them. But that's a problem that I have mostly gotten past. Now, instead of that, I see myself in situations where there is no outcome here for kindness, forgiveness, and understanding. Nobody here is even interested in walking down those roads. So I leave. Because otherwise, <clears throat> all of the negativity and empathic juice I'm swallowing from around, well, it, it breaks me. So if those are the options, how bad is plugging in and just listening to music? And then respectfully participating in whatever <clears throat> non-threatening social engagement is available. Everyone seems to have left on a much more even keel, myself included. So the outcome at least has some merit here in speaking for the process. But I don't know. I do get why that's the very definition of disrespect. Don't think I don't wonder why I have to do the things I do just to get through the day. I wish I could be non-abrasive. I wish I was someone who never caused anyone any level of distress. But I'm also not going to just stand up and pretend to be something I'm not. I spent my life acquiescing in that manner just so other people wouldn't be upset. I'm done. No more. I'm a decent human being in a world filled with all kinds of avarice. Why that is, I don't know. I'm probably being punished. But to think that somehow at the end of all this, I'm going to overcome my <clears throat> reason for incarceration in the first place, through anything but kindness, forgiveness, and understanding? No. I will not be swept into a different paradigm of hate, revenge, and self-interest. It's not me. Okay, so does that take care of the disrespectful one? Yeah, I think so. But then I do say I'm rubbing the universe the wrong direction in so many ways, it feels like. So, where's that little bit of <clears throat> diametric opposition supposed to come to rest? I don't know. That's a good question. I do feel like I'm rubbing the universe the wrong direction. Like maybe my instincts have been off here. But that could just be the very belly of the beast, right? This is where you're being tested. You aren't given options of easy outcomes because these are the options that are testing who you really are. Can you be forgiving in the most unforgiving of circumstances? Well, that second part's a bit of a stretch. But at what point are you unforgiving? So far, not. And <clears throat> so am I rubbing the universe the wrong direction in every case that I look? Or am I standing up for once for that which I am? Which is in favor of a universe in which everybody ascends. Everybody has an option to be better, to be kinder, and to be forgiven. For we understand how hard this is. We are listening to everybody. We are hearing what is your grievance, and we are understanding 
that there is forgiveness in this universe for anything that needs to be forgiven. It's the only way I know how to live anymore. Everything else just feels fake. So, yeah, with a fake universe doing all the lying and deceiving that it is, I guess I should feel like I'm rubbing the universe the wrong direction. But, uh, I made up something else of value to insert here instead. Okay. I say this, and this is a moment of brutal honesty, because I don't know if I've ever even told anyone in the universe, that oftentimes when I'm speaking, I'll be like, and then, one of the things you got to consider here, but I still haven't even come up with the thought of what it is you have to consider, I'm making that shit up in real time. Yeah, I do that a lot. A lot more than I want to admit. In other words, I'm swinging by the seat of my pants almost all the time. Even right now, I have no idea what I'm about to say next. I just know that if you want to have consequential conversation, there are two things that are important. Speak to things of consequence and listen to the feedback you get as to how you've been spoken. All of that creates meaningful dialogue, and in meaningful dialogue, there is always growth. So the idea that I do this without having a conversational partner, yeah, it's a challenge. I don't even know who I could invite to talk with me in a regular routine that would enjoy it, or at least not want to quit four months in. I'm a challenging conversationalist. I use words that, though appropriate, create a Whoa, pause. Create a speaking arena that other people can't help but inflate. Mm, That's not (coughs) good. (coughs) Pause. So even as I bring things down to a level that's comic book conversational, there's no reason to be um, semantically... uh, That's not even the word that we need here. There is no reason to use vocabulary more necessary than what is precisely describing your concepts in the simplest terms available. You never want to obscure uh, your thinking and delivery of thoughts therein with words that lead other people to have to um, scale the vocabulary in their own interpretation to gather what you've truly said. That makes things too complex. Say it simpler. If you can't describe it to a fucking 10-year-old, then you really can't describe it and don't know what you're talking about. I just heard something in the heating duct. Hang on, pause. Okay, I didn't find her, and I didn't hear that again. That could have just been the house. But um, back to that point. You never want to have conversation that's more clever or um, or vocabulary uh, thesaurical or any other level of intellectual uh, prowess than is necessary. Because all of that is showing off. Now, if you can show off by making that 14-sided thing down in Peru, well then, yeah, show off. But if you show off by using words that are inflated or have more cachet on a SAT test than, say, working, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because you're alienating an audience that knows that what you speak may be of some more precision, but by making it slightly less available to 
a traditional thinker, you're losing audience. And that's critical. I don't really listen back very often and think, wow, I totally misused a word. But I do listen back and hear that. And 90% of the time, I realize that I've used a word exactly as I meant to. Even when I'm a little bit out on a limb saying, oops, I hope that word's appropriate. It turns out that it is. Tyro. But just because I can use Tyro instead of novice, or novice instead of beginner, or beginner instead of new dude, that's not an escalation of value. That's not a more precise description of circumstance. It's intellectual bluster. So, I do want to at least hold myself accountable to the challenge it is to speak about everything and nothing simultaneously. Do it with grammatical sensibility and vocabulary that represents exactly what you think without alienating the audience. I do my best, and I bet my best is about a C-. Okay, why do we prefer no effort to effort? This is an interesting one to me. Like, giving your effort for the right thing never feels like a challenge. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, can you help me do this? And you think, that needs to get done. You're like, yeah, I can help you with that. But somebody says, hey, can you help me with this? And it's something that is absolutely unnecessary. And in fact, it's something that was will only benefit one person, the guy asking you. You start to think, well, no, I'm not going to help you with that. So I wonder if how much effort you want to put into something is based on how much return there is for you. But then I think, well, fuck, then why aren't we all just constantly working out and making our bodies as physically pristine as possible? There's always return effort, or I'm sorry, reward returned for the effort involved in exercise. And yet, you look at America, and there are maybe 20% of Americans regularly exercising. I don't even know what the number is. Hey, I wonder if Google can give me an answer to that. Should we trust Google even if they do give me an answer? I'm sure it's inflated by at least 10%. But here we go. How many Americans, percentage-wise, exercise regularly? All right, I actually have to type that because I don't let Google hear my voice and record it. I mean, I, I know they hear my voice and record it. And hello, CIA, while we're here. How you been? Happy holidays. How many uh, Americans, I forgot that word, let's get in here. Most people who listen to podcasts are hoping to listen to somebody typing shit into Google and then reading responses. It's true. Go look at the fucking surveys. That's what people are looking for in podcasts. How many Americans exercise regularly? Um, go. An astounding 6.1 million people take part in exercise or fitness-related classes at least twice a month. Is that regularly? Twice a month? I don't know. I don't know. That is a pathetic standard for regularly. Only 28% of Americans are meeting physical activity guidelines set by the Center for Disease Control and Preventions, according to a study from the agency. That's just getting daily walks. That's not even really exercising. I mean, not what I'm talking about. The CDC study found that while 22.9% of adults nationally met the federal physical activity guidelines, the percentage varied widely state by state. Yeah, I know Colorado's like the most fit state in the nation or whatever. So this is a skewed view. 
Most Americans aren't getting enough exercise, study finds. Well, that's totally believable. Less than a third of U.S. adults meet suggested benchmarks for aerobic and muscle building exercise, says Time Magazine. Um, I wonder what, again, oh, here it is. 150 minutes a week doing moderate to intensely aerobic exercise and at least two days per week doing muscle strengthening activity. Okay, I'd agree. That is getting exercise. 150 minutes per week, 20 minutes a day. Yep. In fact, if you can get 20 minutes a day, which is simple if you ride your bike, but if you can get 20 minutes a day and then do two days of of, uh, weight work, I believe you have met the guides to not just exercise, but physical growth. You'll get stronger. You'll get healthier. You'll get that will get you more fit, but taking a daily walk of two miles won't. So it says 28% of people in the U.S. are actually following those guidelines. I believe that's probably even high. I'd guess that's high by at least 5%. So what is it that says that effort is too much effort when you compare that to how much time you spend on your fucking phone? You can't find 150 minutes a week of phone time that was useless? Well, of course you can. And you know that that's going to happen again next week and the week after. But there will be that seven minutes of phone time that was fucking critical that something really dawned on you and you'll think all the useless wandering around in La La Land was worth it because I learned that. Or at least that's the narrative you'll create for yourself so you don't feel so bad about all the time you waste fucking doing nothing on your phone. Okay. But there's a guaranteed investment in yourself that is a simple two and a half hours a week of time. You still have 166.5 hours a week. Oops, sorry, 165.5 hours a week to fuck around and do whatever else you want. If you'll just do 20 minutes of healthy exercise every day and weight lift twice a week. So let's call it three hours. I'll give you 165 other hours to fuck around with. And you can fuck around in any capacity you want to and still maintain a rather healthy physique and ability with the world. So whatever else you're up to, you should feel that challenge comes with the requisite physicality to maximize your chance of success. All of that is just available for three hours of effort a week. Huh. Strange fucking body, this human meat suit we wear. We're not even willing to give ourselves three hours a week to stay in optimal condition. And if you really want to be in optimal condition, well, then give up five hours a week. I know that's crazy. I know that's crazy. Five hours a week. All right. So why do we prefer no effort to effort? I don't know. I'll work on that one. If that's what he thinks of himself... Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do have a very high opinion of myself. I'll give you that. I think I'm way beyond just the shit, but I am like the awesomest shit that ever could possibly have been. So, yeah. Now, does that mean I'm delusional enough that I love myself in ways that when I look at other people and say, I don't think you love yourself enough, that they're like, dude, I think you love yourself way too much. Okay. I don't think there is such a thing. How can you love yourself too much? Unless... You're constantly telling other people what they're not doing that's up to par because you're doing it, therefore you love yourself, and they can't possibly love themselves because they're not getting 150 minutes of exercise a week. Okay, that's not a lovable guy. That's a dickhead. 
a lovable guy is just constantly doing three hours of exercise a week, never talking about it unless somebody asks about it. And then only low-key saying, eh, I would never give it up. It's made my life a whole lot better. But a lot of people can't seem to even find the fire to instigate the three hours a week necessary to keep yourself in physical condition. So I don't tell anybody to do it. I just say, I'll keep it up. Maybe sooner or later it'll rub off and you'll think, you know, I think I might have 150 minutes a week for that. And if you don't, well... I hope all that time watching Roseanne reruns or whatever it is that you're doing that's occupying your time online is providing the same sort of return that 150 minutes of exercise provides me. Pause. Okay, so putting my money where my mouth is. Uh, I haven't done my uh, 25 minutes on the Nordic track, nor have I done my weightlifting today. Both are due. And it is currently uh, 8.58 in the p.m. here on the 27th of November. So... I have probably 12 and then a three-pack at the end of things still on my list here. Um, so since I have 12 free weight exercises to do, we're going to do uh, one list, then I'm going to go do a free weight exercise. Then we're going to do a list, then I'm going to go... Now, I'm not going to go with you. We're only going to do the talking part. But if I'm saying, what's a little bit of effort compared to all the non-effort we're willing to give ourselves? Well, yeah, it's time to put my money where my mouth is. So let's go do the rowboat. Okay, all right, robot free weight done. Um, next will be triceps. So, what's next on the list? Uh, if he thinks that, okay, that's one I just did. Okay, I will always love you. Uh, I don't think you can even give your wife this song on a mixtape. And when I refer to the clumsiness of some of my actions with my current arch nemesis, who I will only call, um, what? We'll call her the um, guardian angel. It's only fair. And I will then be uh, Lex Luthor. Or no, that's, that's too much accommodation of personality I don't deserve. So I will instead be um, the, um, the self-inflator. How's that? Self-inflatable. Too, um, too sure of my own um, position of um, destined integration and prominence to even be remotely tolerable or something like that. Um, but there was a moment where she was going to go traveling and um, I said I could give her some movies or music if she wanted something to make the trip less uh, onerous for her phone. And so when I said I would do this, the next day, as I was getting ready, a nine-pack of songs played that were perfect to give to her. I can't describe what this was. Because there was, until song five or six... It wasn't even that I was recognizing the grouping and their coordination with who she was. And when the last song played, I was just like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. And I thought, why is the universe making this collection standing out right here, right now? Um, and fortunately, inside of that nine pack was not the song, I Will Always Love You. 
but because I always do things more than I ever, ever should. When I came up with the songs to give her to travel with, I actually did nine nine packs, one of which was the song I Will Always Love You. Ugh. I even said the day after I gave her the songs that there was only one thing I regretted, one song I regretted giving her, and it was that one. But, like I said, even to your wife, it's just not a song you give someone. Pause. Okay. First set of triceps are done. But the, the reality is, this is the one person in the world that I can honestly say that to, other than my sister, my father, my brother-in-law, and my mom. I know, and I don't even fucking know this person. So how can I say that I'll take a bullet for you, that I will always love you, and not even love like lust. It's like only one other human being on this planet has ever given me a sense of similar emotional response. And I've always thought of Nicole as a soulmate. Still do. But it wasn't like this. <sighs> Fucking weird, man. Um, let me finish triceps, pause. Oh, all right. Whew. So does this indicate I'm some John Hinckley nut finding my Jodie Foster? It scares the shit out of me that shit like that exists, right? But I don't have... I can't imagine a world in which there's even an ill intent coming from me toward her, let alone an ill action. I would never harm anyone, even those I think deserve it. And by those I think deserve it, I'm talking about like the deep state operatives who have constructed this media establishment of deceit and propaganda that leaves nobody capable of discerning truth in this reality. Some of those people, you know, I'd at least like to smear peanut butter on their face and then let some Dobermans lick them with their teeth. But, man, even those fantasies are stupid. I don't want to really harm anyone. I want them to come to a realization that their soul still has capacity to be better and to turn their fucking shit around. But why would a guardian angel have any need to do any of that? They don't. So, the fact that it's true doesn't mean it was a song worth ever sharing. Let's get on to the next one. And then I'll go do the quads. Uh, not in a dim cap sensibility. Okay, why am I trying to reclaim the verb retarded? Or retardation? Or to retard? Uh, I, I feel like the idea that somehow we started using that word as a descriptor of people is heinous. That was the heinous move. The word itself has a specific and useful meaning that should never be applied to a person. So the idea that we now have a dim cap definition for retarded is abominable. So I don't recognize it. Now, I live in a reality where it's true, so how do I get to not recognize it? I don't. It's forced upon me. But I can be a conscientious objector to whomever was the first person to look at a human being and go, retarded. That person was an abomination. The idea that the word has been repeated as such is further abomination. But to use the word correctly 
is conscientiously to object to man's, and I'm sure it was a man, to man's own abomination toward himself. And while that's not much of a stand to take in this world, that's why I take that stand, and why I will continue to justify a word for its original intent, and not for its convoluted and hateful meaning that mankind gave it. Pause. Okay, quads are done. Um, what's next on the list? Always had psychic dreams. Yeah. Okay. I've, uh, I'm not as comfortable talking about some of this stuff as other people. Because I still find it somewhat fantastic to even believe it's possible. But there's no question, especially with my mother, of which there's ample evidence, but there's no question that my uh, whole life I've had what I'll call psychically connective dreams, where there is some level of um, interaction of a supernatural way. And... A lot of times my mom would read when I was in jeopardy or had gotten in legal trouble or any of a number of other predicaments that I would find myself in. And so the psychic reverberations that would occur between us, I often would just chalk up to some sort of emotional cross connection that, you know, one son sends to his mother in a way of almost flaring up, um, a signal, as it were, that almost can't be missed. And having sent enough of those my whole life, that was the easiest way to just explain the not as easily explained connections that also would come up, like this one with my current arch nemesis, the guardian angel. So <clears throat> when you see in yourself that not all the connections are here to, hmm, they're not all playful or uplifting or for the good. A lot of them are ominous. Their overtones are quite unpleasant. And if anything, they feel like a dose of stark reality is being served up. So having psychic dreams isn't, isn't the greatest thing. And for those who claim they never dream or dream so rarely that their dream life is inconsequential, I would never trade my existence for yours. But there are times, especially runs of just hammering myself in my dreams with all kinds of what feel like enormous but, but necessary lessons, well, psychic dreams are the places where you wake up the most unsteady about what's next. So I think I'll invite some more connections. I have a couple of mantras to try to get into a dream state of finding others, reaching out. But you have to, you have to connect with somebody looking to connect. You don't get to just invade. There is no space to go invade someone else's dream. But if they're inviting you in, you can go in and you can have a say and you can have them react in their untethered capacity as who they really are and get answers that you won't get in 
this reality, that's for sure. So, <clears throat> I guess, maybe having psychic dreams gives you that upside? At least that upside. Pause. Time to go do the shoulder press. Okay, I gotta log my, uh, my improvement here because I went up in weight on both my quads and my shoulder presses, so I'll be right back. Okay, um... So next on the list is, oh, and Mike Judge, for fuck's sake. Right. I can't believe that I used a, uh, a dim cap joke routine about Trey Stone and Matt Parker. <laughs> and threw Beavis and Butthead in as a counterpoint of uh, misappropriation and didn't give Mike Judge the credit he deserves. Mike Judge, you are not Trey Parker and Matt Stone. But you are on the Mount Rushmore of 21st century comedy to me with Dave Chappelle. No, see, I can't. No, that's stand up. I'm putting entertainment comedy. I'm going to throw uh, Seth MacFarlane on there, too, because I think he's as clever with what he's done on his entertainment plateaus as the duo that is. Parker and Stone, as well as... Oh, and you got to put the Archer crew on there, too. So there's your Mount Rushmore. Mike Judge, you're on the Mount Rushmore with the Archer crew, Parker and Stone, and Seth MacFarlane. That's pretty good company, Mike Judge. You've earned it, though. You, you've earned it. Beavis and Butthead is not your best work, even. Even that, in its understated, uh, moronic genius, has a place on the Mount Rushmore list. But... The things that you did in Office Space and, and what you've done with with just iconoclastic characters in general. Mike Judge, way to go, man. Way to go. Pause. Okay. No response from the cat again. None of that food's gone. So, fuck. Uh, 2023. Uh, if you want to call it that. Turned out not to be the best year for me. But I did get my curls in at a new weight, so I'm, I'm going up in weight. Again, how did I gain muscle while I was essentially sitting around thinking? I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, the Fetid Minded. Okay, yeah. And Reek of the Rotten Fens. I did get a little uh, Shakespearean here. Coriolanus specifically. Um, but sometimes it's just, it's okay to be smart, I think. Um, in that when I think of smart, I think of people who can pull from an expansive base of knowledge from Shakespeare to Shogun to charlatans. They speak on what they know, but they know a wide range of things on which to speak. So I don't toss in offhandedly Coriolanus remarks from a Shakespearean play nobody's heard of to be intellectually superior. I do it because it's fun, because I have the knowledge base of that. And while I certainly can't speak to Richard III quotes, I've read Richard III, but I delivered the Coriolanus speech as part of a junior year creative writing ensemble project, and I've never forgotten it. So 
once in a while I throw it out there just because it's fun. So I'm never trying to sound intellectually superior, intellectually haughty, or in any other way better than you. But because I can quote Shakespeare doesn't mean you should think of yourself as worse than me because you can't. You probably use the word because instead of because. You have that on me, right? Pause. All right, unpause. Okay, that's... Uh, well, pause. Okay, we're through biceps. So what do I have left here? I have triceps. I have uh, chest. I have flies. I have pulls. And I have uh, moss. Okay, so five left. Um, am I failing my role as a witness? Well, sometimes I wonder if I should be doing more to awaken other witnesses to the role that they're here to portray or to play um, as somebody of sound judgment to see what goes down. Uh, I don't know. There's so much that I feel like I still need to catch up on that frontier that the idea of having a gap in which to give that to other uh, people, I don't know. I just... It doesn't seem like I've got the energy, the, the flow, the current synchronicity with the universe to be providing that role. I don't feel like I've established it firmly enough for myself. So, am I ready to be the witness? I unfortunately think the world is sobering me up in rapid form to say it doesn't matter if you're ready. The game is on, and here it comes. So, I don't think it matters. You're as ready as you always are for anything you encounter. There's never a time to prepare more for something that's imminent. You just never know what's going to happen. So the best you can do is come to love yourself, be at peace with yourself, and understand that whatever you see, well, judge it with a sort of a forgiving and kind nature that you judge yourself. And then... I guess. Persist and persist and persist. So, let's move on to the next one, because I did two exercises in a row, just so we'd have a little more time to speak. Uh, I don't know that you want to be heading toward the light. Yeah, okay. I say this because of one very specific instance. I say that the pyramid is 452,000 years old for exactly the same instance. And that is that when I heard those two facts for the first time, extraordinarily out of whack though they are, my truth meter went off like crazy. And it only goes off like crazy now and again like this. And to the point I just have to believe the pyramid is in fact 450,000 years old. But why don't you want to go to the light? And why is the diamond light what's next? This is what fascinates me. Because am I trapped? Have I been going to the light? And has that been a mistake? Is that how you end up cycling back on Earth? Because you think the warm light is the ascension, but all it is is the reincarnation back into some other form of life here on Earth? I don't know that the light is where you go if your next stage is life planning. That feels like a completely different area. 
Like it has nothing to do with the separation of your soul from your existence here on planet Earth. <sighs> so, I wonder now if heading to the light is the trap. If given the option, I'll tell you this much. This time I'm going the other direction. I believe in myself enough to know that if the light is the true purpose, it will find me. And if I avoid the light, and somehow that turns out to be the courage that was necessary to be built here to get off the earth 10,000 cycle trap, well then I gotta shout that from the rafters to everybody else who might listen. I don't think you have to worry about what your next stage is like so long as you've lived this stage with purpose, intent, and true to who you are. At that point, listening only to yourself is what matters. So if you're being coaxed into something, be cautious. Be extremely cautious. Pause. Okay. Just had to go up and weights on uh, lat poles as well. So I'm, uh, I'm getting stronger. Pause. All right, unpause. The saddest thing about the cat is that she's dying alone. I mean, she literally disappeared when I went to the bathroom. And I thought, well, I'll just find her under the bed or wherever she is. And as I started looking and realizing that I had left the, uh, the way to the living room open, so I just assumed that she was hiding in there. And then when I couldn't find her there, well, now she's in the cellar. So the reason that it takes a while to get yourself ready to go into that back corner of the cellar is because it's infested with black widows. So you really do have to gear up to go back there. And doing it at 10 o'clock at night in the freezing cold, well, while I owe that to my cat, the fact that she's not responding at all means either A, she's already dead, or she's sleeping it off in the sort of dreamlike sleep that hopefully recuperates her enough that I can find her tomorrow alive. But if I find her tomorrow passed on, I've already know where her gravesite is, so I'll do the right thing and say a prayer for all the consternation we caused each other and wish her the best in the afterlife. But until then, I can still hope, still hope that she's gaining strength like me, even if that hope seems less and less reasonable the further we get here. Pause. Okay, well, the bench presses are stubbornly staying in the same spot, but what are you going to do? I've never been a bench press kind of guy. Alright, what's next on the list here? Um, is that enough nuttiness for today? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I do, uh, I do have huge senses of reluctance that I even bring these things up. I'm, I'm somebody who was indoctrinated by all of the STEM tracking you want to acquire. So to be speaking on the level of the spiritual, the force, like I'm some regenerative version of Obi-Wan Kenobi, this is ludicrous to me that I'm here. But I'm here. And I'm at peace. 
I'm fulfilled. I'm directed. I'm, in every measure of the word, kind, understanding, and forgiving. I don't think I could like myself more. In fact, I know for the first time, maybe in my life, I love who I am entirely. So does the nonsense cause me enough consternation that I should just keep my fucking mouth shut? Sometimes. I haven't spoken everything that I feel like I've been burdened with. But I've said most of it. And on that note, yeah, that's probably enough nonsense for today. Pause. Okay, the next one is loving yourself entirely. I can... Do I even know one now? Yeah, I do know one. I know one person on this planet who loves herself entirely. And then I know a whole rest of the people on this planet that don't. And I love myself entirely, so that's two. But two out of what? Let's say 2,000. That's a terrible ratio. Now, could I be mistaking some people and that, in fact, their self-love is so high I've somehow overlooked it? Could be. Could be. But I doubt it. So, even if I've done that 10 times, and so instead of talking about 2 out of 2,000, we're talking about 12 out of 2,000? Well, what are we supposed to do with the other 1,988 miserable motherfuckers? The misery that they're suffering is not their fault. They've been coaxed into an opinion of themselves that is not legitimate. They are failing to see their own greatness for reasons that are not their own doing. I don't care if they're about to OD on fentanyl for a life gone haywire, or if they're ascending to the Senate as they've just been elected in the November 2023 election. That would be a feat, considering no senators were elected. But then, how do we know this is your 2023? We don't. Okay, so with those distractions already addressed, loving yourself entirely until you do, well, you don't. Pause. Okay. Having recently ascended in butterfly poles, I didn't expect to go higher. In fact, I barely made it through 12 and 10. Or actually 12 and 11. So let's give myself full credit. 12 and 11 at 30. Okay. Um, next on the list. Uh, Tyro. Yeah. I do... Okay, I've already spoken about not wanting to sound haughty in vocabulary, but I do appreciate precision of language. I do appreciate that Tyro has a different definition than novice. So the fact that I got it right is, <laughs> I hate to say it, but a little bit of skip in my step to know that my vocabulary is still wide enough to engage Tyro when its definition is the nuanced variation that matters between it and novice. To pull it out at the right time gives me a little bounce. And I just feel like that's me learning things about myself in the world and then being able to apply them in a way that's meaningful. I don't know why that wouldn't give anybody bounce. But then next to that I put the recognition of song lyrics. I am, I am flabbergasted by how many songs I am now hearing correctly that I've listened to my entire life and never known the lyrics. 
And this is that strange stuff where you're like, am I becoming a better listener? A more aware person? Do I have better hearing? Am I hearing melody in a way that I'm now able to interpret it rather than hear a slosh of tone? Even Michael Jackson I can understand. I don't know. But that just, again, makes me feel like I'm the updated version, the version 3.7 of John on 8675309 Earth. I'm getting better at things. My tennis game is fucking off the charts for no reason, other than all of a sudden I'm way more fluid on the court. It's like I can anticipate everything. I can see the ball with such clarity that it's like everything moves in slow motion. So, why is this happening at 54? Why are the upgrades now part of my life? Where were these in my 20s? All right, so I got two exercises left. I got my individual tricep left and right, and I got my wings. The last two subjects I've got that are pointed here on my list are, here's what I do, um, my first repeat ever, and then it's rare that I even have a list, which considering I'm reading off a list, well, would you call that ironic or moronic? Pause. And not even making my list, but... That nines thing, I mean, here it is, theoretically, 11, 27, 20, 23, which breaks down into two nines, which breaks down into 18, which breaks down into one eight, which breaks down into a final nine. Now, that stuff's all, in my opinion, coincidence meets um, um, ignorance or... Uh, coincidence meets conflationist or coincidence meets person willing to give more credence to coincidence than coincidence deserves credit for. So 11, 27, 20, 23, two nines to an 18 to a nine to the death of my cat. Could be why I sing so many threes and nines lately. The threesome is now one. But that doesn't address. Here's what I do. So do I feel lazy because my Spotify ad is just a clip from an earlier episode? Honestly, fuck no. In fact, that's the way it's going to go from here on forward. When it's time for a new Spotify ad, I'm just going to grab six or seven minutes of something that at least was compelling recently. Oh. Kitty. Kitty's back. Pause. I hate to say it, but she's got kind of a pet cemetery thing going on here now. Pause. Okay, well, she's drinking milk. <sighs> Seriously. Seriously. Pause. Unpause. Okay. Well, my cat's alive. So... Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. Down, down. Good kitty. Good kitty. You stay right there. So, hear that purr? Good kitty. Um, yeah. My cat's alive. That's good news. Now, that may be a temporary situation. But as she goes over to get more milk and cheese and drink water, 
Come on, Kitty, show me you got 10 lives. Pause. Okay. There is no question that my right tricep is stronger than my left tricep. And that, I believe, could be from a lifetime of masturbation. I could be wrong on that, but it's certainly a candidate for the cause. Okay, that finishes my weight routine until Thursday. Good job, John. Thank you. Always got to pat yourself on the back when you give some effort when there was a chance that you could have given no effort. In the long run, those effort days, they build up, they become contagious, and they make you think, well, yeah, why wouldn't I be giving this effort? My life's so much richer because of it. Okay, next. Uh, it's rare that I even have a list. Okay, yes, I have a list today, but it is rare. And the reason that I don't have a list very often is because, frankly, that's just time I don't have to invest because this project isn't about list making. It's about sharing all of me in real time, wherever that goes. And that isn't the sort of thing that conforms well to a list. And I'm not speaking of conformity on a level that I want you to uh, imagine assimilation and brainwashing and all that stuff. I'm saying when I am following something point by point, it's because I have given myself a corral in which to stay stable. I am not going to be prancing around in the wildflowers of my mind. I'm going to instead be addressing this continuous thought train. So these points on this list help bring clarity to what has been a really disruptive month in my life this November of the year after love was left on the cutting room floor. And since my ability to stay kind, generous, understanding, and forgiving of the world around me is necessitated by me cleansing my mental state of any clutter that wants to build up. Well, this, this review was cathartic. And if you want to know the 411 about me, and that's why you chose episode 411, and that's your kind of thing, and you actually made it all the way here past an hour, well, this shit probably is for you, to be honest. <laughs>